haircuts we all need them sometimes they can be a bit of a chore sometimes it feels like you're on a bit of a conveyor belt and the person at the end of the haircut puts that mirror up and you kind of look at them like oh god but we go along with it because we're british right we all know what that's like so dom at Babylon Barbers, you'll feel right at home with a relaxed vibe and a professional experience all round. With both veteran and SENS discount, Dom has time for absolutely everyone, as everyone deserves that fresh haircut feeling. Supporting the local community is a huge part of the job, so go see Dom and get more than just a haircut. I use Dom myself, I couldn't be happy with the results. He'll trim your beard, he'll trim your eyebrows, all that stuff. Right, back to the show. Good evening and welcome to Absolute Bedlam Podcast. Had a bit of a reschedule uh, guest-wise tonight because Chris from Free Peas and a Podcast unfortunately had to work. And as a HTV driver, you need to take every shift ever, apparently. Um, so we'll reschedule that and we'll get him on at some point in the future. Um, we are hitting the second cliff in three episodes so that's got to be some sort of record right so we've uh, i've only met about four in my life other yeah, ones yeah. so <laughs> yeah so we've got cliff from the n64 life podcast just looking, hello 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 just looking at your um podcast history for this one specific and your first episode was on the 15th of october 2020 and the mm -hmm. 15th of october is my son's birthday Oh, is it really? Oh, that's and lovely. I actually started my podcast in October 2020 as well. So it's just this weird coincidence. I think it was everyone was doing it because, yeah, um, we'll go into it in a minute. But yeah. I used to have another podcast and that was it was going in a bit of a hiatus at the time. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I think everyone during that level of level of lockdown just was mm. like, ah, I need to be doing something creative. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And the first episode you've done is very, very close to my heart. It's Mario Kart 64 versus Diddy Kong Racing. Indeed. So first things first, why the N64 out of all of the consoles? Why that one specifically? It means so much to me uh, because it was the first console that was really mine. Um, so other consoles, I grew up with two sisters, an elder sister and a younger sister. So I had to share everything. And on my 12th birthday, I was taken to a Dixon's or a Curry's. I can't remember which one it was. Yeah. And I was given the choice of either PlayStation 1 or Nintendo 64. And I had friends that had both. Um, but there was, I think in 1990, it must have been the summer of 97. So when the N64 was actually launched in Europe, my friend Daniel had been given n64 as well and i remember seeing um uh, mario 64 and being absolutely blown away by it and then our evenings playing goldeneye so yeah. i was like oh well that has a golden controller oh it comes with goldeneye and mario 64 and it, so it started my yeah. love for this console yeah yeah so mario 64 mm. There's two bits in that that really freaked me out as a kid. And I'll get into my scariest moment on the N64 in a bit. But do you reckon you can try and guess what one of those two things are for Super Mario 64 specifically? The eel? 
No, not the eel, but he is oh, pretty freaky. The piano. The piano. Okay. And the never-ending staircase. Oh, the never-ending staircase. Yeah. <laughs> I learned recently that that's called a shepherd's tone. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting musical phenomenon, like the Doppler effect visually. And it's this constant sort of escalating note in a scale. And it just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things that I experienced as a child for that game was going up that staircase for about 30 minutes and then turning around and instantly being back where I was, thinking to myself, I've got to go 30 minutes back that way. But it's because you don't have enough stars to fight Bowser, isn't it? Exactly that. So you just continue running up, continue running up, continue running up. And I think as well um, on the first Bowser, Mm. uh, it was that basis of you used to fall through the trapdoor in the floor. Mm. And I remember actually you you said about the never-ending staircase. I remember there was a rumour that if you did a jump, in a specific mm. way, mm. you would go through the uh, portrait at the back rather than fall down the floor. Okay. I must have spent, I must have spent yeah. a good four hours trying to figure out what the, it doesn't even exist. Yeah. It doesn't exist whatsoever. You just bounce off of it. Yeah. But I remember spending about four hours on that and the never ending staircase. Mm. I remember, as I said, thinking, oh, well, yeah. I haven't got enough stars, but I'm going to trick this. I'm going to trick it to make yeah. it think I really. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of the first games I've ever fully completed as well and got 120 stars. Oh, see, that's one goal I've never done. Never got 120 on it. It's not that difficult. It's just a bit of a grind. Um, and it's knowing which part, like each level is obviously, like to me, I see it as a different world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's horrible things you can do, like drop a penguin off a cliff and all sorts of crazy stuff. <laughs> and, you know, the eel, Happy like penguin. you mentioned. Yeah, that's it. Um, what was I going to mention about Mario before we move on quickly? Um, yeah, you just had all the moves straight out of the gate. You had mm-hmm. long jump, triple jump, backflip. Um, there was that no was... skill tree. It was just yeah. like, here you go, have it all. Yeah, it was it was nice actually with Mario 64 that it, there was no faff. Mm. In the, well, there was a faff in the game. The reason why I prefer other platformers to Mario 64 is it's repetitive faff. Yeah. Now with the eight coins, the eight red coins, and there was a mm. lot of repetition. Like they obviously it was the first game on this console. So they they had a couple about eight ideas and they sort of they brought it into each get each level, but they sort of twisted it up a bit. Mm. So it was a bit of a faff that way. But it was great because there was nothing worse in some games that I did love. Mm. I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more in depth in a minute, but Banjo-Kazooie. But there was nothing worse than when you were looking for bottles and you couldn't bloody find him. Mm. Um, And yeah, and you had to learn that extra move. So yeah, I suppose that was a good thing about Mario 64, definitely. Yeah. So let's quickly go into Banjo-Kazooie. First things Mm. first, did you play Banjo-Tootie? Tui. Tui, sorry. I haven't played it. That's my excuse. (laughs) <laughs> I have. I play. Uh, yeah, I played. Yeah, no, Banjo. It's not as good yeah. as Banjo Kazooie, but um, to bore you a little bit, obviously mm. after Banjo Kazooie, they went off and created Donkey Kong sixty four. Yeah, Donkey Kong sixty four. We're talking about a collector con faff. 
That is the biggest collector confaff ever. Yeah. But it was good because but, uh, Donkey Kong 64 made all the mistakes. So actually in Banjo-Tooie, mm. it was a lot more... It, it had a better flow to it, even though it was a huge game. Yeah. And Nintendo actually at the time were trying to figure out this uh, way of being able to switch carts. Mm. So it was going to be the first game that had two carts. But the problem is, is this console will only hold in its RAM the memory for 10 seconds. So the thing was, if you didn't get the cart out and in within that side, that 10 seconds, it would destroy exactly where you were. So they decided against it because they were trying to think of clever ways to get larger games such as Resident Evil over, which was Mm. a masterpiece. They ever did that. Um, But no, it's it's such an expansive game. It's very Mm. different to Banjo-Kazooie because it's more open world. And it's actually the most open world game that you really get on this console. Yeah. Um, Taking out the Zeldas, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite game of all time. Legends of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I will agree with you with that. <laughs> and that's also the scariest thing that I experienced about that console is those fucking re-dead zombies. They'd scream at you and you'd freeze and then they'd start humping uh... your back. <laughs> and um, it was almost like you could avoid them for quite a long period of time until you became an adult. Mm-hmm. And then you went through the marketplace and it was just infested with re-dead. And I actually, at one point, I had to actually get my dad to play the game for me because I, I just couldn't handle it. Oh no! Um, especially at the Shadow Temple, because there's yeah. literally nothing. Like, you can't just run past them and go through the marketplace and just run for your life. That was actually part of the the dungeon and the temple. And um, there's a bit where you get the lens of truth as well. And yeah, so you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So in the well, when you get the lens yeah. of truth, actually, you've got the you get one in the Shadow Temple, and you yeah. get one of them in the uh, well, which mm. is the hand. So I think they're called yeah. something hand anyway, um, but it's got the four hands sticking out the ground, and the grand, the hand grabs you, yeah, that's and then it. the monster comes along, and it's got its head up, and it just puts its head down and yeah. bites you. Um, yeah. That that is the one of the creepiest things you ever see in any computer game it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's horrible <laughs> yeah it holds up now as well like it's a bit blocky obviously but you know the n64 it was way ahead of its time and it was like the loading screen even now it was like lightning providing the cartridge was. worked obviously <laughs> yeah but, several yeah. times in and out for the cartridge but yeah 90 percent yeah. of games had no loading screen whatsoever yeah it was the opening credits and straight in yeah. um you know it's instant and that was this console actually for it's the ram in it especially mm. with the expansion pack was so much more powerful than any of the other fifth generation consoles yeah um i was i was reading this thing of uh actually if you look at actual processing power compared to everything else on a scale it wasn't until the xbox 360 that the other consoles caught up which is mental to think isn't it yeah that that's is two crazy. generations later yeah, that is crazy. Am I right in thinking the N64 is a 64-bit console? Is that what mm-hmm. the 64 is? Indeed, um, yeah. I watched Big Breakfast on TV, if you remember that. And mm-hmm. it was these two puppets. It was like Ziggy and something. They were talking about the N64 coming out. That was it. Zig and Zag. I and, like to yeah. move it, move it. <laughs> and they were talking about the Sega Mega Drive being a 16-bit console. Yeah, and they were like, the N sixty four is a sixty four bit console, so it's four times as good. And something in my head just went, I need to play this thing. Like, I love the PlayStation one, 
I really did genuinely love it. But I had a bit of a PTSD about that because once I went downstairs at my dad's house at like six in the morning thinking I could sneak a quick medieval in <laughs> and realise the volume of the TV was on 90. So oh, I no. turned the PlayStation on and it's like infinity glass smashing noise. Mm-hmm. And I think I nearly levelled the fucking building that we were in. <laughs> um, so from then on in, I think I was playing Pandemonium quite a lot. Oh, a bit of that's a great game. Yeah. Um, what's your favourite racing game on N64? Um, racing game is... Oh, there's a couple, but yeah. Diddy Kong Diddy Kong Racing um, or yeah. uh, uh, Timber Tiger, Timber Tiger mm. Racing, if you want to give it its proper yeah, I name. Yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a that's a huge one. Um yeah. F Zero X, um, absolutely mm. incredible game. You there's so many good racing games. Yeah, uh, Star good. Wars episode Star Wars Episode One Racer. Mm. You had um uh the V Rally game, the V Rally 99. Yeah. There's so many good racing games for that uh console. It's un- absolutely unbelievable. Who is your favorite character in Diddy Kong Race Center Race? Uh as race as uh yeah. D- bumper which was the Badger. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he was, his handling wasn't very good, and he was quite heavy. He wasn't as that, bad as that croc guy. No, I, I quite liked I quite liked Bumper because he mm. had a bit of weight to him. So in Mario Kart, I've always chosen Bowser. Right. So I like to have a bit of weight to my... Yeah. I love Tip Top. Just throughout the whole thing, I could beat, you know, what was his name? Whizpig or whatever. I could beat him. Um, I learned that sort of zip thing where you don't actually hold the accelerator down and you get green smoke rather than multicolored smoke. Correct, yeah. And you just absolutely thrash him. And before you learn that, he's an absolute nightmare. Um, yeah, if you also, don't hit every single one like that, you, you're yeah. not beating him. But also there was a sort of Easter egg where you ran over a frog with a chicken thing on its head. And mm-hmm. that was um, Drumstick. Indeed, yeah. And he was apparently one of the best characters in the whole game. But yeah, the story is is that he was actually turned into a frog because he was their best racer. Uh, because for some reason, Whizpig is like a space <laughs> uh, Bernie Eccleston, I think I refer to him as, yeah. uh, in the podcast. Because he just, for some reason, wants to take the racing circuit. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I don't know, but he yeah. does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, strange game. But I, I like the whole sort of going to space and the lighthouse turned into the rocket. Indeed. It was just so cool. It felt like it was uncharted territory, especially the fact that it, you could be a hovercraft, a mm-hmm. flying plane or a car. It's quite a unique concept. Each area's got its own sort of, you know, water level. And you've got the boss at every domain and stuff like that. So it's just a really cool game. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, did you ever play a black? Yeah. Did you ever play a game called Blast Corps? I did. What did you Played think of that? Too- that was I weird. I don't know any other game like that, where it was like, blow as much shit up as physically possible. And yeah, it's like a sort of... I don't know if you ever played a game off of the N64 called Beautiful Katamari. No, I haven't actually. You are like a little thing and you stick to things and you slowly start growing. So you're like going around cities and you're like picking up lampposts. So you're like, you're a sort of glue ball and you start slowly picking up like buses buildings <laughs> and eventually you consume the entire world but yeah last oh, wow. corpse what did you think 
Well, I, I've, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Glass, Glass Corpse. Um, in fact, I only, spe- I only played it on a stream not too long ago. Mm. Um, I've done a podcast on it as well. What you were saying about, you know, games where you could just destroy stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I pitched it against uh, Vigilante 8, which was a game similar to Twisted Metal, which yeah. was out PlayStation. Um, but you are sort of right. There isn't a game, especially at that time, that really came out and said, right, just go and destroy it. That was the whole premise of yeah. it. Just destroy stuff. Um, yeah. Because a nuclear weapon was going through a city. I don't yeah. understand that, that storyline. But yeah, so it's out of control and it had a set path and it had to stick to that path. Yeah. Um, so you're, it's, it's just, it's, it's a fun game. It's one yeah. of those games that you can just play and not really think about it. Yeah. Um, mm. I think it's almost like how people play games like Fall Guys nowadays, where yeah. they just pick it up, play it, enjoy it, and move up. They don't obsess yeah. over it. It's, it's a lovely game for that. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, what else am I going to mention quickly? We can obviously go into any you want. Um, Goldeneye has to have yeah. mentioned. Just, <laughs> even got... now, it's just innovation sort of yeah go on sorry well it's one of those ones like uh, i do love that i decided on the n64 Mm. because people get so it unlocks something inside them and they go (gasps) and the main one that i always get is golden eye yeah um which you can see uh, hold it up for because it's audio but i'm holding up a golden controller nice um which i got with my golden eye uh in 1998 now with with Goldeneye, it is great and how it was a pure mistake. Mm. Goldeneye, so well, one that should never have been the game. How good a game it was! It came out just before uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, mm. so it was way off of the t- uh, coming out at release. Um, it was, but that multiplayer which people remember, that is the happiest mistake that's ever been. Mm. They literally went, "Should we just put a multiplayer in this?" Yeah, let's put multiplayer in this. Yeah. And within quick, like just before launch, they went, yeah, let's add it in there. Four way, yada, yada. Oh, everyone loves yeah. Doom. Let's just do something yeah. basic. And it bl- it blew up. Absolutely yeah, it blew up. Um, Definitely. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's nice as well because I think they, they had the, um, they had the, uh, in there, obviously a lot of licensing from James Bonds of the past. And they, in fact, had the licensing for all of the bonds. So from Sean Connery's bond all the way down. And if I think there's some clever so-and-sos that have actually gone into the game and found almost Roger Moore's uh, makeup and all that in there as well. But it, it was nice that they could use some of that that they didn't use, like Odd Job, like Baron, mm. well, Baron Samadhi and Jaws are in the main game as well. But it, it's one of those games that just people will always have fond memories for. Yeah. It's the first, yeah. usually most people's first four-way battle royale. Mm. It also encouraged you to play it on the hardest mode possible because then you would unlock a level. So for memory, I think there was like an Aztec level. Right. And there was another level that I can't remember. But you had to play it on agent and double agent or something like that. So Whereas now you head. just buy it. You just buy, spend That's a fiver it. and it would just unlock itself, you know. Yeah. Yes. So it was, yeah, you had, um, you had te- temple. So you had Egyptian level and then you had the Aztec level. Yeah. So one based on Moonraker and the other one based on 
Oh, I can't remember. Scott, let's mm. slip my mind. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. Can't know it all. <laughs> I um, <laughs> Pod Racer. What did you think mm. of that? Great game. That was hard. Um, that was fucking hard. I don't think I ever actually completed it. Um, the no, I don't think I have either. The Bulba was quite cool, but I kind of got past that. I think I was on the race with Ben Quadraneras where he's got four pods and I just couldn't do it. Like, I don't know what I had to do, but he would just light speed straight down the track. And I'm just like, there's absolutely no way. Like, but yeah. Um, yeah. Curious to hear your thoughts on it. So I think we've uh, pod racer. So, or uh, episode one racer, I think that the great thing behind it was, was the aid able to customize your ship. Because mm. as you went through, you unlock the ships um, by, as you said, racing off against them. Uh, but at the same time, you could go to a Watto and go and buy either as new parts, mm. or you could go to the scrapyard and buy damaged parts. Yeah, and th- and the damaged parts were obviously a lot cheaper. Yeah, but you could you could play it and sort of make your ship more and more. And the thing was, as you said, if you didn't modernize your ship the right way. Mm. If you went solely for speed, your handling was completely shot. It was actually, you know, as a racing simulator, mm. really, really loads of thought going into it. Mm. Uh, but it was just, it was just the element of there was a couple of bits of that game uh, that I, I, I look back fondly on. One of them was I used to always damage just one pod, so then you could hold down the the top button. So then mm. repair your pods. So like in the movie where he's mm. got a damaged pods and there's smoke coming out of it, mm. I'm going to repair my pods. But it'll slow your bloody down. So I don't know yeah. why I kept doing it. And the other yeah. thing is there was a couple of levels with closing doors. Oh, that's anxiety. Mm. Like yeah, literally I, I can remember going, oh, shit, shit, shit. You committed. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You're going straight into that wall. Um, yeah. These closing doors into some of the, I think it was underwater levels. I can't yeah. remember the exact name of the level. Mm. There was a lot. That, that was a hell of a long game, in my opinion. It, um, it was you yeah. could sink some fair old hours into it. Yeah, and it was kind of just like Gran Turismo. Where it was just like race, race, mm. race, race, race. There was no sort of through line of like, right now we need to go to Mustafar because of this. <laughs> it was just you're in Tatooine. Now you're in the clone planet, or you know whatever. Um, I've just seen on your Spotify as well, you've mentioned Glover. Now, I haven't heard that name in a very long time. And I <laughs> loved that game. But once again, I never completed it. I don't Didn't think you? I even really got to see Cross Stitch because I was too busy trying to figure out the mechanics of the game. Because it was a bit it was a bit like they'd just gone, here you go. Here's the entire game. You've got a metal ball. You've got a sort of, um, what is it? A luxo ball um and good luck <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, like, uh... yeah. It, it was great it was one of those games that really got you to think um mm. because obviously you know you had the the crystals then turn into the balls you could turn them to crystal you got the bowling ball in there yeah so it was one it was a good puzzle you know platformer because even though a lot of people do remember it being a n64 exclusive and it wasn't i believe it came out for the pc as well mm. um but people remember it being a n64 game and um weirdly it was actually made by hasbro 
so the toy company um but it's it, it's one of those games that i just it it's just so different it's so different to every other you know that I, i've i've reviewed like ray make uh, rayman 2 the great yeah. escape yeah which is by far one of the best platformers you will ever play yeah and with this it was just it was so different so so different why mm. that was as well more game <laughs> my one of my my second favorite game yeah. of all time <laughs> I my main party trick is being able to complete that on the top row without yeah. losing a single life Jesus. it's my party trick <laughs> so what did you have to do in the game to be able to run on foot because you um as like i can't remember his name he was like a frog and mm-hmm. he had a rocket launcher slippy. slippy that was it and you could just play it on foot rather than in your spaceship well that was only in multiplayer yeah so yeah. that was only in multiplayer and you yeah. had to do the top run so you had to do the top run that would unlock in multiplayer being able to run around, yeah. which was fun. It's like Lilac Wars, one of my yeah. favorite games of all time. Multiplayer. Mm. I don't think I've played multiplayer on that in about 20 years yeah. <laughs> yeah. because it's not the best for multiplayer. It's yeah. really not a good one. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. It was just like a random, like you said, a golden eye, but it, it just didn't quite land as well. No. <laughs> um, there's a bit in golden eye in a train level where mm-hmm. at the absolute start of that level, you can get a machine gun. I think it was like yeah. a P90. The RSP. It, yeah. Yeah. The RSP90. Yeah. And it just made the RCP whole level so simple because it was, yeah, it was in so the box on the left hand side. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And the first carriage, I think it was. Indeed. But without that, I think most people struggled. I love the heads-up display in GoldenEye as well. It's just so ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Very uh, much so. Big head mode as well. <laughs> DK <laughs> mode. Yeah, that was it, it. it. was. Do you know what? This is how bad I am. It wasn't until I was an adult that I went, oh, Donkey Kong mode, because yeah. <laughs> they had long arms and big heads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took me that long. Um, paintball mode as well. Mm. Um, I... D- I, I remember as well you could do all weapons yeah. um and just walk around with a level with two R- uh, rsp uh R- rcp 90s just literally just blowing everyone away <laughs> if you yeah. got that one <laughs> yeah yeah right, yeah again got... as you said it was like nowadays you would have paid tenner to unlock yeah. that then you had to complete a specific level mm-hmm. a specific time mm-hmm. to unlock that so that's what made it great that's it we've got eight minutes left and i'll send you another link um let's mm-hmm. round this up quickly with 1080 snowboarding which i actually <laughs> forgot existed it was kind of like the n64's answer to ssx tricky um i don't know how much i actually played that game but i remember doing some tricks and i'm quite good at this sort of stuff in life really is I'll learn like one or two things and I'll just keep doing those two things. <laughs> so it got to the point in like Tony Hawk's pro skater where I was kick flipping and getting like two points. Cause I was just constantly recycling like heel flip, kick flip method. And um, I was quite scared to branch out and do like a special move or something like that. So what was your experience with 1080? Um, I love 1080 just because it was the one that started everything. You know, you had, 
obviously snowboard kids come out soon mm. afterwards you had ssx tricky which i've got for the gamecube sat just over there yeah, yeah. um it, you had all of these games that sort of came from that yeah. um and it was just such a happy mistake nintendo made um that it just worked i loved the rate uh, any of the racing levels the racing levels now every time on that game yeah. or snowboarding games in general i just really struggled landing any move because you've got the big ramp so you could just keep on going up and down the big ramp and just doing move upon move upon move upon move and fucking mucking about that way yeah yeah but personally i nah i just i i like the racing side of it where you're mm. trying to find where the best route is mm. trying to sort of beat the other guy to the other end um no yeah. i i i am a massive fan of 1080 and i think yeah it's one of those ones again people always do ask after mm. There's so many games like that on the N64. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll mention Turok after the break. I completely forgot about that as well. One of my friends' favourite <laughs> game of all time is Altered Beast. Yep. And it's obviously Altered Beast is a very, very old game. It was probably like a side-scroller. But um, Turok was like the answer to sort of Jurassic Park, the game, before Jurassic Park realised that they could monetize literally every <laughs> single thing without any respect at all <laughs> for their franchise so yeah yeah because uh, turok really lived and died on the n64 obviously yeah. it did have a uh, reboot but the great thing with it is that turok dinosaur hunter lots of dinosaurs turok 2 not so many dinosaurs more mutants turok 3 Nah, we're not going to have any more dinosaurs anymore. <laughs> it was yeah. just so funny how it developed all the way through. And yeah. it has like a really like such a big lore behind Turok as well. Um, you know, in the first one, you sort of learn a little bit about that lore. But yeah. the second and third, blinking heck, like <laughs> without ruining it for anybody, the third yeah. is a game that came out towards the end of the N64's lifespan. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people missed it starts off with a all oh, bloody hell moment. They kill off, they kill off Turok straight away. So it's yeah. like, oh, okay, okay, we, we're going there. That that's a huge moment for a game like the N- uh, on the N sixty four. And yet yeah. again, um, it is Turok Dinosaur Hunter is like every time it's foggy or misty, everyone goes to me. Oh, it's like I'm in uh, Silent Hill. Nah, yeah. nah, 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 nah. I always go. I'm into a dinosaur hunter because yeah. it's just fog everywhere. And nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. Right. We've got three minutes left. So is there anything that you want to say before we quickly go to a break or are you happy to just get straight back into it? Let's go straight back into it. Cool. No worries. <laughs> Cheers, Claire. I'll speak to you in a sec. See you in a sec. Hello, guys. Got a new ad read for you from a company called Optimus U. Um, so they are a fitness and sportswear company. Um, they are an excellent example of how fitness and sportswear should be achieved. They are going towards the fully sustainable route, which I am well behind planting a tree and all that sort of stuff for every purchase. So I've got this to read out. I've got Optimus U. We are much more than just a sportswear brand. We are a community full of fighters for 100% of the people, absolutely zero discrimination, and only using the very, very best quality in organic, sustainable materials made ethically here in Europe. 
Whether you're taking your dog for a walk or hitting that new personal best in the gym, let us help you along your journey and letting you become the most optimist version of yourself. Recently got these on board because I think that Luke from Optimus U is a fantastic example of a leader and lockdown has helped him create and develop this amazing brand um, and they are incredibly involved, they're incredibly inclusive like I say and I cannot recommend them enough so give them a go at optimusu.co.uk if you use my code which is bedlam10 bedlam10 you'll get 10% off your order and I, I just I think they're fantastic um, they haven't put a foot wrong truly absolutely awesome company um, I've recently been given a shirt and hoodie from them and I will be ordering some more stuff from them very very soon so shout out to Optimus U uh, right back to the episode cheers guys bye and we're back so let's predict the future and say that was an Optimus U advert so uh, <laughs> check out check out Optimus U www.optimusu.co.uk use code bedlam20 for no bedlam10 for 10% off your discount and uh, free shipping so uh, yeah get involved Lovely. love it um so just having a quick look at some more games to see if I've not missed any massive gaping holes. <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. Yes. Favorite the favorite character in that. Uh Captain Falcon. Yeah. Still is. He's still my go-to. Still all these years on. If I'm playing Ultimate, I, I'm lucky enough to own. I, I obviously I don't just collect N64, so collect the others. It wasn't the best Smash Brothers that came. Mm afterwards uh however yeah i i've i've always used captain falcon he's always my go-to mine was kirby and uh, my, my friend would use captain falcon and kick my ass every single time because he just knew all of the moves see i um, had a friend that used to kick my ass as kirby so yeah. <laughs> one of the best moves kirby had was he could turn into a brick Indeed. and if, if you had like 90 percent damage or whatever it was i think that's you accrued damage didn't you and it would make you lighter and able mm-hmm. to be knocked off the level. And if someone hit you with that, I think he also had a sort of lightsabery move where he would use that if he was like falling off the level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the way that, that game incorporated the controller, because I want to talk about the controller, because I honestly think it's one of the best ergonomically pleasing controllers I've ever used in my entire life. And I also know some people that would hard disagree with that. As about the trigger to say, yeah, it's it, yeah that trigger on the back, as you said, with Goldeneye especially as well, um, and the Z targeting that they put into Ocarina of Time. Yeah, um, the, the, it's one of those things. The controller, one with Smash Brothers, Smash Brothers, it's the start of it all. It's it, anything that's created by Nintendo mm. works on that controller. Yeah, so so well. Um, and and all any of the Nintendo's affiliates, uh, which were Acclaim. Mm. um uh, rare obviously yeah uh, dma design anything that any company that was in bed with nintendo it used to work so so well it's when you came away from that or the early games where it tried to use c buttons as Mm. uh the actual uh the positioning of the um camera now it's one of those things it is the easy target because n64 being a lover of n64 it, some people see you as an easy target. 
but I'm not a Saturn fan. <laughs> but no, it's it's that thing of that the, the controller gets bought up all the time. Oh, but it's horrible control. No, it doesn't. Oh, you need free hands. So stop watching the occasional <laughs> YouTube video. And this is what yeah. people do, especially yeah. with games as well, is they'll see one YouTube video and there'll be somebody on that YouTube video that goes, the controller wasn't very good. And then I get, the controller wasn't very good. Oh, yeah. what YouTuber told you that? Um, because I literally go, actually, anything made by Nintendo works. There are games that are absolutely shite. You know, yeah. I've got uh, I've got a controller which is made by uh, it's called a Brawler sixty four controller, yeah. where the thumbstick is up in the top corner. It's more of a modern day controller. Certain mm. games need that. However, nah, it's it's not as bad as people remember. Yeah, it really isn't. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I didn't like the GameCube controller. That felt to me like some of the bits on it were a bit out of reach. Like they it's, needed to do something yeah. that wasn't the N64 controller. So they kind of, it felt to me like someone had accidentally melted an N64 controller and gone, fuck it, that'll do. <laughs> like, you've got a deadline, guys. You've got to hit a quota. So that's your controller guys cheers the gamecube is my second favorite console of all time yeah. or or actual console console uh, yeah. excluding game boys and um i i think that you're right actually it's all of the it's fine apart yeah. from if you're not used to it the trigger buttons because yeah. the trigger buttons click in yeah so you push them in and they go click and click in so it throws people off and also there's the y button i think it is hang on yeah. where's the yeah. controller uh. Looking at the controller now, it's a Z button. There you go. The okay. Z button, which is this button yeah. here, if yeah, you can yeah. see it, that is in. So it's just off of your top triggers. Yeah. It is in the weirdest place ever. Yeah. And there's been games where I forget how to do something on the GameCube and I go, oh shit, it's that, it's that button. I forgot about that button. <laughs> secret button that no one actually. It is. Well, it's because yeah. it's just not in a logical yeah. place. Yeah, definitely. Remember um, WWF No Mercy? I remember oh. learning, once again, we're going back to the routine thing with me. I remember how to learn uh, how I did a powerbomb and I would just powerbomb everyone. <laughs> that would be my move. <laughs> so my friend would set a table up and I would powerbomb them through the table. And I was like, oh, this is, I feel like a god. And yeah, rinse repeat. Well, it's uh, obviously, as you can see on my arm, uh, and you see a lot of my artwork, is this symbol here. So it is a turnbuckle yeah. because it's a sign of defending indie wrestling. And obviously the wrestling at that time was a huge part of me still yeah. at 35 uh, work. Well, I've just, I'm not working for anybody at the moment, but I've worked in the wrestling industry. Mm. I've had a successful podcast in the wrestling industry. Yeah. Um, but that was that game. No mercy was a big reason behind that. Mm. Um, trying to create my own storylines. Uh, WrestleMania 2000, you could create your own pay-per-views. It's almost like yeah. what you get with the GM yeah. modes of the modern games. Mm. Um, it's it's for me as a booker, that is just like, oh, I'm gonna book this, and you are literally I could sit there for hours and still play WrestleMania 2000 and book yeah. my own shows. Love yeah. it still. <laughs> Fantastic. Replayability. So I've got two more that I want to mention, and then we're just Go going to riff. Bomberman 64. Which one? What a fucking game. <laughs> so I don't actually know. All I know is you go into a volcano, and there's this guy that's like a giant furnace, 
and hero, um, Bomberman Hero. I think it was Bomberman 64. There was also a bit where you could put bombs on the floor and you pump them up and you could use them to traverse like hard to reach areas. And you could also get red bombs, which would blow up certain stones in the game. Because with me, with Bomberman, there, yeah. I, I, there is Bomberman Hero that I own that I'm not a huge fan of. I don't really like the 3D Bomberman. Now, there was another Bomberman 64, which was known as Bomberman 64 Arcade, that only came out in Japan. Now, that is your traditional Bomberman. Give me some traditional Bomberman. I love it. I, and I've got to admit, I need to give Bomberman 64. I can't quite get yeah. the artwork to load properly. Send it, send it to yeah. me on Instagram. Yeah, I will. Because yeah. um, I, I, it's what the 3D Bomberman I have not given enough love to. I haven't. Yeah. Mm. Um, because, yeah, I've obviously got an EverDrive, which means I can get any game i want for it i've got a japanese n64 sat here as well nice um and it, it is that element of that i i fell in love with that japanese n6 uh, sorry the bomberman 64 arcade yeah i'm a bit i get a bit stubborn with the 3d bomberman that was like this is not what i want <laughs> yeah 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 and the last game that i wanted to mention it's one of my favorite games ever completely forgot it was on the n64 though because I'm used to saying 64 at the end of these games, <laughs> um, is Pokemon Snap. Yes. One of the most mindless games you'll ever play in your entire life. There was no need to get, like, get to level 100. There was no need to like get an S rank on the levels. It was just like, cool, I've thrown an apple at something and it's caused <laughs> Psyduck to evolve. And I'm going to take a picture of him whilst he's evolving. And that they game. would like, appraise the photos after the level, wouldn't they? Yeah wonderful as yeah. uh professor oak used to say yeah. every time so professor oak really peased me off that game because he just wants every single shot two inches away from the pokemon's face yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you could take the most breathtaking shot ever and he goes didn't like it was too far away yeah, yeah. um uh <laughs> I, it, I was just saying to you off mike it was the first game i got um on day of release so it was the first day there's not many things i got on day of release i got my game boy advance on day of release i got and i got pokemon snap on day of release mm. and i remember taking it home and completing it and i mean completing it in about a week yeah. um I, I did the main story in about less than 12 hours um but it's still a game and like i i still play the D, the uh switch version that came out yeah, last yeah. year mm. i i can put on the n64 version it's just one of those games that you mm. chill to and some of the music in it is bloody beautiful yeah yeah, yeah. little sort of in-game nods as well like the poker flute mm. and know. it wasn't even yeah, meant just... to be a pokemon game no it could have it really it could have been anything well, it was going to be yeah. Earthbound, so Earthbound oh, okay. or Ness, you know. So it was going to be part of that series, the Earthbound yeah. series, and then the uh, Pokemon TV show blew up in mm. uh, in the US, and they were like, "Right, we need two games." They quickly rushed out um, Pokemon Puzzle Game and Pokemon Snap, just because they needed to g get on that bandwagon. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah, it's just like. It felt like you were like a passenger on that game because mm. you are, Lately. you know, you're in this ride and it's on a rail. Um, but some of the stuff you could do in it was crazy. Like 
you could get Magikarp to go in the water and evolve into Gyarados or whatever it's called. I always get that pronunciation wrong. Um, and you could also get, yeah, that was it. And you could also get Pikachu on Articuno. Yes, you could. Um, that was like, how, how the hell did someone figure this out? But it, so I glad it exists. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm really, it's one of those games that I am uh, so happy exists. Mm, definitely, yeah. Yeah. You all right? Yeah. Okay. Done dying. Nice. <laughs> um, what was your favorite level in Banjo Kazooie? Oh, um, oh, ah, Frosty, Frosty, um, Frosty, uh, sorry, uh, what's it called? Ah, oh, I'm gonna have to Google it. Yeah, now. Google it. Don't wanna, I, I don't love, wanna, don't wanna... yeah, I love the harbor level where you go on the boat. That was yeah. quite near the end of the game. And I also love the swamp levels where you could be a crocodile because you've got your little backpack on and you look cute. <laughs> oh, as, yeah. And it also includes your favorite, that level also includes your favorite um, uh, Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah. He makes, a, he makes an appearance in that game. Yeah. As I a love conductor that. inside of the year. That's just reminded me. We'll, we'll do your level. Frosty Peak. Was, there you go. Was I was a, almost said Fra- Frosty yeah, yeah. Mountain, and I was like, no, that's not right. Frosty Peak, because one, the music in it is spectacular. Mm. Two, it's the story with the polar bear being an awful, terrible dad. Yeah. Uh, all the way through it, that he's some reason eating a jiggy, and then you come down the snowman's scarf, and then you yeah. land on top of his belly, and he's sick the jiggy, and then he gets home to go, oh, kids, I haven't got your presents. So you have to go and get the presents. There's so many bits in that. I love the snowmen with the ha-ha-ha before yeah. they chuck the snowmen as snowballs at you. I, I think that is one of my... Because I, I, you were flying a lot of that level, it just felt huge, and I don't know mm. why. It just felt really, really big and expansive. There's a game. I, I am... Yeah, it is a real game. I honestly... I played the fuck out of this game and i remember thinking about it recently and no one knows what i'm talking about it's a game called tonic trouble yep and it felt like created. a fucking fever dream so tonic trouble yeah. was literally created mm. by ubisoft because ubisoft went well we want to create a rayman 3d mm. rayman game yeah. and we don't want to waste we've got to make a mistake somewhere so they just made tonic trouble yeah. so if you have a look at the character in tonic trouble yeah yeah it's very similar yeah. to rayman he doesn't have any he's got floating hands uh, yeah. and everything like that but no tonic trouble is a great game really yeah, good game that was a really yeah if even if it was a little equivalent um the only thing he didn't do at the end of the level instead of saying yeah he would you know, imagine if he was like, no, <laughs> that would be like really, really Just on really, the nose. Yeah. Really anti Rayman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I can't really remember that game. I remember little bits of it. I remember playing at my friend's house because that's kind of how I got introduced to the N64 was mm-hmm. I would go around my friend's house and I eventually managed to convince my mum that I wanted one for myself. And then I kind of went on this adventure of, you know, getting the N64, getting the PS2, mm. getting the PS3, mm-hmm. and then moving out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember like really having to look after my N64. I had to really dust it down like once a month and be kind to it. And that's when I got a bit obsessive compulsive about putting the games back in the case because that would really do my head in. 
if I went around someone's house and people would put like the wrong games in the wrong cases or they would just like pile them up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're never, ever going to be able to play those games ever again. Because if they get dust in the cartridge, unfortunately, there's only so much blowing you can do. Please don't click that. <laughs> um, but yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, thoughts so on that? Yeah. I, I think that um, with the cartridges, it doesn't trigger me as much. Um, yeah. It, You know, it never did. Because the thing was, was, you know, I've got some... Yeah. Oh, I'm going to show you. I know this is audio format. But I'm holding up at the moment a beautiful box from japan this is kirby 64 Mm. and it's beautiful it looks like it was bought yesterday not a single mark on it and that's because the japanese used to look after their boxes Mm. and they used to come with a lovely cardboard sleeve inside sorry uh, yeah cardboard sleeve with like almost like a poster it came with a plastic holder for your cartridge Mm. like they looked after their stuff with the uk and the power ones and the american ones it was just this cardboard holder like everyone would just get rid of their boxes. Now I have Conker's Bad Fur Day boxed mm. up there. That's worth a pretty penny now. Yeah. Um, but it's such a shame. But I used to always get triggered by, um, I still do, with GameCube games because mm. they are so hard to yeah. get them cleaned because no one, you can't get anybody with those mini disc players. Mm. Uh, sorry, cleaners. And it's really horrible when I've been over people's houses and I see a GameCube game out of its box yeah. with the label poking up and I want to go, it's almost like I want to become like the RSPCA and go in there <laughs> and take all their retro stuff and go, I'm going to take this to a better home. <laughs> you are <laughs> inadequate. You've done this to yourself. <laughs> oh, Jeremy Kyle and be like, you can't look after your kids. <laughs> you can't look after your GameCube games. Yeah. They're being taken away by Barry or whatever his name was. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's quickly promote your Twitch. I haven't actually yes. watched you on Twitch yet. I do apologize. I've got quite a lot of people you on my Twitch think. and I've turned my notifications off because I was going on holiday quite a lot recently. Um and I've forgotten to turn them back on. Um so yeah, I will definitely watch you on twitch and host you and all that sort of stuff in due time but what's your schedule like on that do you dedicate a significant period of time to it or is it just so yeah i i i do that more than the podcasting nowadays i do five hours a week so i do uh a friday and a sunday usually 8 30 to 11 yeah um on the friday we do something called the ruddy friday stream um basically the ruddy friday stream is based on the fact of my listeners slash viewers like to cause me pain um and they choose the worst games possible for me to play um which it started we do two pain months a year um we it's coming up in september we also do one in march as well where it's solely I don't get to choose. There's one of my viewers called JD who sits there and he just puts up two, four random words. No one knows it. It's completely blind vote, but they are awful games to vote for. Mm. But with the Ruddy Friday stream, it's fun because it's random number generator. I go into the N64 anthology, choose a game, for just random generator number, choose whatever's on that page and we go in and play it like glover is on friday so okay. for, we are playing start starting the stream with glover but unfortunately we're finishing the stream with superman 64 or superman the new adventures of superman known as the worst game of all time yeah, um 
Yeah. So it's we're going to be doing that. And then on the Sunday stream, I've just literally completed almost without a single game over until I got to Ganon. Yeah. Almost got completed Ocarina of Time without a single game over uh, until I got to Ganon. Um, so, yeah, so we've just completed Ocarina of Time and we're just about to go on to Paper Mario. My first yeah. ever time playing Paper Mario. I've never played it, mm. um, so I'm looking forward to it. So uh, with the podcast, there's sort of a bit of a hiatus on those at the yeah. moment. And that is just because, as as you know, I came running up to this room because I just finished work. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I unfortunately, I've got one of those jobs where I have to put a lot into it. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. I go, I, at least I, I do five hours of Twitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, favorite dungeon slash temple of Ocarina of Time? Uh, the Fire Temple. Fire Temple, the Bolero Fire Song. Mm-hmm. I used to just play those songs because they were fun do, do, in do, like Hillier Lake. Just yeah, yep. um, yeah, fantastic. Is it Requiem of Water or something like that? Yep. Yeah, Requiem. I think it is. Requiem. Um, yeah, Requiem of Water. Did you ever get the gold scale from catching yes. the massive fish? Yeah, so getting the high. Well, you you could you didn't get it for getting high high roll lurch roach high roll roach. Yeah. Um, you didn't get it for that because he wouldn't he wouldn't ever accept that. You mm. had to get it for oh blinking egg. How I can't remember the weight of it for this yeah, one certain pound. Yeah, because you couldn't yeah. catch anything with the sinking lure. That's why he doesn't. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah so. But no, I, I got the, yeah, I've, I've, I've completed that game. I would hate to think, mm. I hate to think on not just the N64, but once on the, I've completed it once on the Switch. Um, and then I've completed it about four or five times as well on the uh, 3DS. Nice. Because that is a lovely remastered game if anybody gets to play yeah, it. Yeah. Did you get the big ore on sword? A uh, bigger on sword, you have to to yeah. get to Ganon. If you haven't got that bigger on swords and you yeah. get to Ganon, expect the first part of your fight to be bloody hell. With yeah. the you have to use the Megaton hammer, yeah. and it's it's a pain in the bum. So yeah, anybody playing that game, you need the bigger on swords. Yeah. If not, yeah, screwed. <laughs> and last question: Did you get all the bottles? Yes, um, I never I got the last one. Never so, got the yeah, last one. This, this one I didn't. I I was missing one of the bottles. I couldn't mm. figure out which one it was actually. Um, I mm. think it was one of the ones from the games. I was. It was the yeah. You get one of the ones from one of the games when you were a kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. It's it, the bottles are yeah. At the end of the day, actually coming onto the final fight or uh, Phantom Ganon from the uh, Forest Temple, mm. it's actually better to hit back Fa- uh, Ganondorf or Phantom Ganon's. Uh, energy yeah. with a bottle than it is with your sword. Okay. I don't know why. It's actually easier to hit back his energy with yeah. an empty bottle. It's random. Some weird <laughs> stuff in that game. I don't know how like people speed run the hell out of that game, don't they? And they, so many exploits. Yeah. It's Still like sit exploits. in the corner of this room for four seconds and then do a spin charge on your sword and you'll end up in it's like it's, it's to be honest it destroys the fun in the game yeah. i I've, i i watch occasionally some streamers that do speed runs on mm. majora's mask is mm. the fascinating one mm. majora's mask it's like how, how what <laughs> like literally yeah. it's the weirdest thing in the world but yeah. at the same time i just 
for me, playing a game like that, it's like, oh, you destroyed the enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs> I think Majora's Mask was a really fun game, but it just felt like it was it was a spin-off to me. It wasn't a sequel. Um, but I just couldn't really get into it as much. I like the songs. I like the premise of it. Um, and you got like a gilded sword, which you got from like gold dust at the top Indeed. of the Goron Mountain or whatever it was. Um, I loved the Great Bay Temple. I loved being Azora and like swimming around and all that sort of stuff. But it just lacked that depth that Ocarina had, in my opinion. Well, do you know what? One of the fa- my favorite um, games I've actually done a deep dive on was uh, Majora's Mask. Mm. So I did a mini history of Zelda. And in part two, it's solely on Majora's Mask. And it is actually fascinating. One, the... they're pretty much confirmed now but basically the thing of that link link is dead okay or link is in some form of he's he's trying to it's like almost like he's going through the five stages of grief oh okay so they if you actually read the breakdowns on it it's absolutely fascinating that the five stages of grief actually represents all of the five areas from the uh from the uh, clock town to the snow peak to the the uh, swamp mm. to the so all of the te- so all of the areas represent each level of you know grief uh, acceptance so it works its way through so that is fascinating yeah and also the fascinating fact that this whole thing of link went through all of this journey this is link so if you don't know zelda zelda mm. actually at the end of ocarina of time goes into three timelines mm. so you've got three timelines of zelda you've got when he defeated ganon and uh went back ganon defeated him mm. and also the timeline where he came back and saved the world by just going ganondorf's gonna be really naughty mm. um so it's really fascinating to go back and see this young link that he went all the way through this yet was never appreciated as a hero Mm. yet the when he did go back that timeline is the wind waker timeline where people celebrate Mm. and dress up as him um but in this timeline no one remembers him as being that hero in fact that's without ruining it for anybody Mm. that is the timeline of twilight princess so majora's mask is followed by Twilight Princess. Okay. And it's actually, if you go into deep dive into that story, it's it's a bit harrowing, to be mm. honest. It's like, these are the reasons why he's remembering these faces. I'm like, God, didn't think yeah. a Nintendo Bank game to be, could Jesus. be this dark. <laughs> yeah, that's proper deep, isn't it? Love it. Uh, awesome. So, other than the N64, which obviously yes. we know you're very passionate about, we've just spent about 50 minutes talking about it. <laughs> What other consoles are you looking forward to? Do you routinely play or look back on? So I started, you know, I was, I was trying to sort of remember where my journey started. Obviously, the NES is really where it all started. And then I went away from Nintendo. So in the 16-bit era, I did wasn't an I wasn't a Nintendo boy. Mm. I had the Mega Drive. Yeah. So I absolutely adore i i don't collect for the mega drive but i adore playing my mega drive mini over there which i i may have put some more mods on um i think that uh obviously i collect for gamecube as well i collect for Game Boy advance 
I collect now for Wii, um, which is a game that a console I'm playing a lot of at the moment because I've been playing a lot of the old arcade shooters like uh, House of the Li- House of the Dead mm. Two, House of the Dead Three, which is a massive part of my uh, love as well. Mm. Um, what am I looking forward to? Um, I think the a lot of I, I'd like to go further back than what I remember. So the Atari Five Hundred. They've just made the Atari 500 Mini. Um, I'm right. really hoping they do a full one with the keyboard. Um, it'd be nice to go back and play some of those games I've never really gone back to play. Um, I would love to get a Spectrum at some point, the ZX Spectrum, mm-hmm. um, just to go back yet again and play some of these games that I'd never really encountered. And to be honest, were a bit more simpler. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. Do you reckon I'll ever make an N64 Mini? No. That's such a shame. Um, it's uh, it's been proven by the Switch because mm. it's so bloody hard to emulate. Yeah. Um, the the Switch, if you if you know about the expand uh, the expansion that they did last year, yeah, it was it was met with loads of people being pretty angry with how some of these games were performing, mm. um, especially F Zero X. Um, you know, it it just can't handle it. Like the em- to emulate that console is so hard, mm. and there is the thing of, as they're proving with this uh, this expansion, is that you can't get the games that people want. Yeah. Because there's lots of arguments of who owns what. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to see Rare and so Microsoft and Nintendo come to a conclusion of actually it's beneficial to have Banjo on you guys. Yeah. Um, that was nice to see. Um, and hopefully, what I'm looking forward to the most actually would be they did ever. Because nuts and bolts didn't exist. Mm. That, that never exist. Mm. Uh, if they do make a true banjo free, free, if we call it that, um, that would be lovely. Uh, if Microsoft and Nintendo put their heads together and went, let's make a jet. Because you, you've seen it with Sonic Mania. Yeah. You've seen it with, you know, if you went for, okay, let's go for a traditional 3D platformer yeah. and make it around banjo. That would be, that yeah. would be my dream. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, anything else in video game land that you want to mention? And then we'll move on to quick fire questions and wrap this up if that's all right. Um not really. There's there's loads of I tell you what, if you are listening to this and uh you are into retro gaming, there are so many amazing people. Because mm. uh, I'm amazing Cliff. Um, but no, there's so many amazing people out there that are retro gamers online. Yeah. Um or just going down that nostalgia feel, you know, yeah. the Deca, there's so many, the Decadane, uh, Matty Boo Twitches, I mean, that are now and then 64, another N64 streamer yeah, like yeah, me. Yeah. But there's so many people out there that are retro gamers and it isn't easy to get that into a stream. Uh, sometimes yeah. a, lot, a lot of hard work to get it into that stream. Yeah. Go and yeah. support them. Just, you know, constant views, uh, a, a, you know, a, retweet here and there go and support retro gamers yeah. we, we need we need the love with all these mm. people playing Fortnite. <laughs> you're planning to keep going with the podcast so people can rate you five stars on spotify all that sort of stuff it's not yes. gonna... no he, he's not gone i am a cool. i i am a podcaster as i said 10 years podcasting now so yeah, yeah i am a podcaster Fantastic. <laughs> so it will be back soon <laughs> awesome Right, so these are just random quick-fire questions like the ink blot therapy paintings that my friend tells me about. Um, <laughs> saying that, 
a bit of a personal thing. I am actually planning to do a bit of therapy with the NHS because uh, I've got quite a lot going on in here and I can't really switch off, which is a bit of a problem. And uh, this is starting to overtake my life a little bit, the podcast, and um, I need to sort of calm down with it and it will happen mm. when it happens. But when you do two a week, you're quite wired. Um, so Kinder Eggs, are they a deliciously chocolate treat or are they just a shit bit of chocolate with a toy inside? No, they're just delicious chocolate treat. Um, we have a thing at work where we occasionally go Kinder Egg and we then eat the chocolate because it is one of my favourite chocolates. Okay. I, my wife actually once bought me a full-size Easter nice. egg that yeah, was yeah. a Kinder Egg. Um, and also, yeah, we used to build the little toys. So, yeah, yeah. yeah no, no, Kinder Eggs, don't diss them. If you, if you don't like them, you're wrong. <laughs> don't knock it till you tried it and then don't knock it. Exactly. Baby belt or cheese string? baby bell i could eat a whole packet of baby bells pretty easily <laughs> nice would you rather camp in a tent or a static caravan for one week caravan living in a city or living in the countryside as my accent might suggest can't be chocolate or sweets chocolate <laughs> chocolate <Kinder. all> right. <laughs> mornings or evenings uh evenings Mint chocolate chip or chocolate orange? See, I saw this on the list. I can't, they're my two favourites. <laughs> you don't one understand. question. <gasps> my favourites. They are like my two favourites. Why yeah. do you do that? I, I can eat a whole bloody Terry's chocolate orange and I can eat a whole mint chocolate chip. Oh, no. Um, okay. Mint, mint. We'll go okay. mint. Well done. Sorry to pressure you. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> This isn't necessarily a quick fire question, but I'm always interested to see how people think with this one. So... Cliff, you've done something wrong. You're going to prison. But if you go to prison, you get 10 grand cash a day. But it is a maximum security prison and anything can happen. So between one day and six months, how long would you be willing to go to that prison? One day. One day. <laughs> I, you know, something, something even like Big Brother would do my head in like yeah. i i like to just go off on wonders and be free i think that yeah more than a day i know i need i need to feel free yeah. to do what i want to do yeah <laughs> freedom is very important i think i could do three months um but just that fear of everyone you know conspiring against you and oh, sharing God. a bunk with someone that might have a knife under their pillow and just this uncertainty and anxiety of yeah this is the lowest sort of thing that i could really do and i might die <laughs> um and if i die will i get the money will my son get the money will someone mm -hmm. significant to me get the money or would it just ah nah sorry so it's Keshi's castle where no one wins <laughs> yeah. that's it fantastic last question you're in tesco's there are other supermarkets available, but I'm trying to get a brand deal with Tesco's. <laughs> uh, 100 episodes in now, and I pretty much ask this question every single time. So, Tesco, mm. please just drop me a fucking DM, because this is getting mental. <laughs> You're on the road for any reason. You need a meal deal. You need a sandwich. You need a crisps. You need some drink. What is your go-to meal deal, Cliff? It's easy, easy, easy. It is a BLT. I love mm -hmm. myself a BLT. 
It is McCoy's mm. cheese and onion, okay. and it's a Ribena every Ribena. time. <laughs> Full fat Ribena? Oh, yeah. No, sugar-free Ribena needs to get in yeah. the bin. They've taken yeah. enough sugar from me from Ribena. Yeah. They, yeah. No, Ribena needs to be full fat. It's interesting that the levy for sugar doesn't really apply with the meal deal. It kind of like yeah. overwrites it. It's still three quid. It doesn't matter. No, what it doesn't. Get. I love you it. You could get a little can of Coke. I do love a can of Coke, though. Mm. I'm a fan of just a can of Coke. Speaking of cans of Coke, I have just put a review up on this channel on YouTube um, of the Coca-Cola X Marshmallow review. Oh, I, I heard um, I heard their review of that on uh, Cheap Show uh, oh, right, yeah. this week. So I will listen to yours and see how it uh, differs. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was okay. Um, I've had three cans, so even <laughs> if it's not great, then they've got two pound forty out of me. I love um, this whole thought yeah. of you just sat there going, yeah. mm-hmm. "Need another can." Yeah. <laughs> Is this content? What are you on about, Ben? Everything's content. Everything's content. Upload it, <laughs> Bo Burnham. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, love cheap show. Fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I really, really wanted to get to Harrow next month, but I just oh, can't afford yeah. it where everything's just gone fucking mad. Um, currently working two jobs at the moment just to keep ends together, which is not good. Um, but yeah, I will make a conscious effort um, to go next year and just have a bit more planning because I heard about it in March and I was a bit like, I don't know if I can screw away 30 quid every month to go to this Harrow from where I'm from, Weymouth. That's a hell of a fucking trip. It is. Yeah, well, I'm I'm from just a week. Yeah. I'm down to Weymouth on holiday, um, yeah. so I it's that's two hours to me. Yeah, yeah. Let alone to London. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a bit of a journey. Yeah, and then there's a debate of should I just drive home or should I get a Premier in? And I was just like, this is getting so crazy, and the fuel prices are just not helping me out at the moment. So, um, but yeah. Anyway, have you got any questions for me? We've got two minutes left. Anything you want? Um. If you if if you could only one biscuit for the rest of your life, what would that biscuit be? Custard and cream. why? Why? No, that's so, no, not fin- No, why would you do that? <laughs> so when I was little, my mum would work in retail and she yeah. would drop me off at my nan's house. And I'm not joking, this is in a day of VHS, right? I had Thunderbirds on repeat. Captain Scarlet <laughs> on repeat, Simpsons on repeat. That's a pretty good life. VHS, you know, recorded, set, blah, blah, blah. I'd have a gallon of strawberry milkshake and a whole fucking barrel of custard creams. Oh. And I've never experienced a more perfect life than that as a kid. So it's a nostalgia. It's yeah. a feel. I'll give you that. It's a yeah. feel. That's fine. What's yours? Hobnob. Hobnob but not okay. chocolate. The plain hobnobs with just an F ton, F ton of milk. I'll have to send you some. <laughs> Same, I'll send you a load Fantastic. of uh, creams. <laughs> yeah. I have gone cold turkey on them. Like, I've recently, cold turkey, yeah, like no, shaking. It's, it's a drug. Yeah, <laughs> I did go like three or four years without them because they were starting to get a bit crazy. But they're still quite cheap. They're like forty one yeah. for a pack. So they are the cheapest. They're see like bourbons. Bourbons are cheap. Right, we're about to end the recording. So thanks everyone for listening. This is really fun, Cliff. So um, I'll speak to you soon. Keep it better, guys. And cheers for coming on. You're welcome. Lovely to be here. No worries. Take care. Ad read time.
Shanty Spirit, Botanical Seaweed Vodka, Vacuum Distilled for Fresher Flavour. Met these guys a couple of years back now, and they are absolutely smashing the alcohol game. All comes in a beautiful bottle that has to be seen to be believed. It's available at www.shantyspirit, all one word, .com. Uh, have a look at their website. It's absolutely incredible. It looks great. Uh, you can spin the bottle if you fancy a bit of spin the bottle like the old days. Comes in 20 centiliter and 70 centiliter bottles. And if you use the code just for you guys, Bedlam discount at checkout, you'll get 10% off your order. So tell them I sent you using code Bedlam discount. And shout out to everyone at Shanty that has made this possible. Uh, they're, they're doing so well. I'm really excited to see how these guys grow and expand. So yeah, please drink responsibly. Um, if you are listening to this, you know, crack out a bottle of Shanty. Check out their website as well for cocktail ideas because they've got a lot of ideas other than just drinking it with Coke like the delinquent that I am. But yeah, cheers guys. Back to the episode. Hello, hope you enjoyed that episode. Just got an ad read from a new sponsor called Set Surf. So, Set Surf is a small British company passionate about mineral sunscreen and natural skin protection. Our range of sunscreens and creams are designed to protect your skin naturally without harsh chemicals which harm coral reefs and aquatic life. So if anyone knows me in real life, they'll know that I'm from a seaside town and one of the most important things when you go to the beach and probably anywhere in the world really, to be fair, is sun cream. And we all know how much of an absolute disaster it can be when you go to the beach without sun cream. So I want to make sure that people are using the right sun cream and not the rubbish, cheap alternatives from many, many supermarkets. <laughs> I won't call any out. Um, but yeah, this is how Set Surf is different from all that cheap, nasty stuff that will just about get the job done. So it's 100% mineral. We don't use any harsh or weird chemicals to reach SPF 50. They just use zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, which makes them perfect for sensitive skin and all of your kids. It's reef safe because we use no chemicals which harm coral reefs and aquatic life at all. Our sunscreens are genuinely reef safe. They're also non-nano. We use non-nano-sized particles which don't sink into the deeper layers of your skin like you get with some chemical sunscreens. It rubs in virtually clear, so set sunscreen rubs in very well without leaving any chalky marks or residue on your skin, and they are also very, very water-resistant. Lastly, they are packed with good stuff. They contain Kalahari melon oil, argan oil and aloe vera to nourish and moisturize your skin if you shop the range at www.setsurf.com use the code bedlam20 to get 20 percent of any of the products on their website so that's www.setsurf.com and use the code bedlam20 to get 20 percent off of anything on their website right another ad read coming right up See you later.